Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now, from our nation's capital... This is Bloomberg Sound On. It's been 75 days, 75 days since the Democrats were supposed to pass funding for our government just to keep the lights on. We should not move a short-term CR. The new economic forecast downgrade as the Fed tiptoes close to saying we will have a recession. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. The cryptocurrency industry represents the largest Ponzi scheme in history. Code committed no crime. I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Jay Powell says we've still got a ways to go. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics, says the Fed chair makes clear they're not close to ending the war on inflation. But did he just forecast a recession as well? We'll ask Bloomberg Economics Editor Michael McKee who was with Powell today, and we'll take a deep dive ahead with Mark Zandi, chief economist at Moody's Analytics. Another tough day for crypto in Congress. We're joined by Ari Redboard of TRM Insights later this hour on whether the alleged fraud at FTX is bigger than just the company. And with negotiations stalling on government funding here, we'll turn to our signature panel for help Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis here for the hour. Clearly, we heard a lot today on this Fed Day, and we're going to be joined in a moment to talk more about Mark Zandi. But first, compare notes with Bloomberg's Michael McKee, who was in the news conference today with Jay Powell earlier on. You might have heard his question live here on Bloomberg Radio. He helps us, of course, to not only report the news from these meetings accurately, as in today's 50 basis point hike, but he helps us understand the language used by Powell, verbal and sometimes body language. And so, well, you know, it's time to go back to school. Professor McKee, welcome back to Sound Up. Lovely to be here. 75 down to 50, we got that. But a new outlook on things today. Uh, let's listen to Jay Powell. As shown in the SEP, the median projection for the appropriate level of the federal funds rate is 5.1% at the end of next year, a half percentage point higher than projected in September. 5.1%. What does that tell us? Why the change? Well, another 75 basis points is is what they're building into that. And what was kind of key, too, is that seven of the 19 members thought it should be higher than 5.1%. So the Fed wants to be hawkish at this point. And it's kind of interesting because uh, we have seen some good inflation data lately. But Powell said we're not there yet. Did the Fed just predict a recession? 
they came very close. They're basically acknowledging what everybody has forecast, and that is that they're going to there's going to be a recession because they have to slow growth, and they have to slow growth more than they thought they had because the labor market remained so strong. Michael McKee, thank you as always. Let's add Mark Zandi to the mix now. Always a pleasure to have the chief economist at Moody's Analytics on a Fed day. Of course, no stranger to the world of politics, and there's another side to this whole story that we'll get to, but it's great to have you, Mark. Uh, is the Fed warming up to the idea of a recession? Yeah, I mean, uh, they had that uh, large increase in the unemployment rate. I think it, what, ended the year at 4.7, so about a point above the current fund, uh, unemployment rate. So that would be consistent if history is any guide with recession. So, yeah, it feels like they're inching towards that uh, kind of forecast. Mm-hmm. Your dog can smell the recession coming. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know what just happened. They just lost it. I apologize. I, I think it's great. It's a big family here. Yeah. Look, I don't know if the, what, who who the market believes. They're already, you know, it, it, it depends on the next CPI report. Uh, but Jay Powell did try to keep the door open to a soft landing when Michael McKee asked him about it. Listen to the way he answered this question on whether he was ruling one out. No, I wouldn't say that. No, I, I don't say that. I mean, I, I would say this, um, you know, to the extent we need to keep rates higher and keep them there for longer and inflation, you know, moves up higher and higher, I think that that narrows the runway. But lower inflation readings, if they persist in time, could could certainly make it more possible. So I, I just I don't think anyone knows uh, whether we're going to have a recession or not. Was, was that a dose of honesty right, right there, Mark, or is he is he just trying to keep all options open? No, I think that was honest. Uh, you know, I, I think if you. I think he honestly doesn't know. If you asked him, hey, Chair Powell, what's the probability of recession in 2023? Yeah. I bet the answer is 50-50. <laughs> wow. You know, and if I had to pick a side, uh, you know, I think he might pick the side of recession, but I'm not sure. Uh, it could go either way. And that's how about Chairman how Zandi? Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, You're 50-50. I, I am, but I, if I had to pick a side, I'd say no recession. I mean, and I, and I say that with more confidence today than I've Huh. Been able to say that in a couple three months. That inflation number we got yesterday that that yeah. was a pretty good number. Now obviously it's one month on top of a pretty good month last month, so it's still we need a string of those. But mm-hmm. it feels pretty good to me. It feels like this these inflation statistics are moving in the right direction uh, quickly, and they may not need to get to that five point one percent terminal rate that they're talking about. Yeah, that number spooked some people. Uh, so well, we get another CPI, we get another jobs report before the next Fed meeting, right? So that that's that's why we don't know. Yeah, and that CPI number is probably going to be pretty good. At least top line is going to be is going to be good because we know gas prices are down, oil right. prices are down, and that's already baked in. And that that uh, it, and it just feels like uh, you know inflation seems to be coming off the boil here across the board across all the products and services. And the job market is uh, you know it's strong, but it is throttling back. I mean, hiring is back to where it was pre-pandemic. Unfilled positions are coming in. People are still quitting their jobs at a high rate, but a much slower rate than was the case a few months ago. Hours worked are down. You know, it just feels mm-hmm. like everything's kind of moving in the right direction here. For soft landing is not the right word. We got to come up, Joe, with a different way of describing. Fair this. enough. It's not going to be soft. It's going to be uncomfortable. But we have a chance of getting through it without, you know, a full blown recession, which would be very, very uncomfortable. So another yes, and another big question is how much do they hike at the next meeting? Uh, with that data in mind. Jay Powell says, again, he doesn't know. Here's how he answered that. I haven't made a judgment on what size rate hike to to make it. Having moved so quickly and having now so much restraint that's still in the pipeline, 
We think that the appropriate thing to do now is to move to a slower pace. It will depend on, on a, a variety of factors, including the incoming data in particular, the state of the economy, the state of financial conditions. So when he says a slower pace, though, I was kind of surprised to hear that, Mark, because I thought the Fed today was building back to the idea of 75 basis points with some of what we were hearing. Am I just I, I don't I'm, I'm reading it all wrong. No, no, no. I think they're, they're, you know, we're at 50. The question for the next meeting is at 25 basis yeah. points, a quarter point or, or a half a point. And uh, my guess is they're going to do a quarter point if my forecast of the CPI number just you know, comes roughly true. Here, here's the other thing I'd, I'd point out, Joe. You know, if I were them, even if I felt pretty good about the inflation numbers and where they were headed, I, I don't think I'd indicate that at all because huh. you don't want – so-called financial conditions to ease here. You know, we need the economy to slow. So you don't want the stock market to come roaring back. So I'm think I'm sure they're very happy to see red on the screen today after the the, uh, the meeting. Yeah, they, that they was want, the point. Yeah, and, and they don't want mortgage rates to come in. They don't want you know the dollar to come down. They don't want credit spreads to narrow. They want financial conditions to remain tight so that the job market does slow, the economy does weaken, and, and wage and price pressures come in. So if I were them, I'd be you know, saying these things as well, even if I thought that, you know, we, we had a pretty good chance of making our way through here without uh, a downturn in inflation will moderate. The headline today uh, was we've still got a ways to go. And the idea is even if they stop hiking, they're going to keep rates uh, at a higher level for quite some time. Uh, by the end of next year, when when Joe Biden, uh, whether he meant to say it or not, yesterday suggested prices would be normalized uh, and will be, of course, in the throes of a presidential campaign. The White House doesn't like to talk about the Fed at all. They defer to the Fed. They don't comment on the Fed. I understand that. But at what point, Mark, is there going to be real political pressure when you start seeing the damage to the job market specifically, also the housing market, uh, pressure for the Fed to start cutting? Yeah, I don't know that 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 pressure is going to be there regardless of the, of the political environment. I mean, you know, even if there was no election, no political pressure at all. It's going to get trickier for the, you know, for policymakers. The Fed, you know, when mm-hmm. the economy does start to really go flat, job growth goes to zero. We get a month or two of negative job numbers. Uh, unemployment's moving higher, yep. and inflation is still moderate, still high, but moderating. I mean, that's that's when Oof. we get down to brass tacks, and that's going to be much more difficult for them at that point. My guess is at that point they stop raising rates and they just stop, take a look around, and see how things uh, play out. By the way, just a point of interest: if the funds rate is going to be over 5% by the end of next year. There, mm-hmm. That is not consistent with recession, right? Because if you're going into recession, they're yeah. going to be scrambling to lower rates at some point. So right. You know, they're, they're right on the on the edge here with, with regard to that recession forecast as well. My colleague, uh, Tim Stenebeck, before you joined us, was asking uh, about the household savings rate. Have people blown the COVID savings by now, Mark? No, they've got plenty. Uh, by our <laughs> calculation, yeah, peaked at $2.5 trillion back in September of 2001. Mm-hmm. And we're down to 1.8 trillion now. Oh, that's that's data through uh, through uh, October, so it may have come down in November. But f- folks at the lower part of the income distribution, yes, absolutely, and that's why we're seeing credit card borrowing and uh, unsecured personal lines, you know, rising because lower income households are using that to kind of supplement their purchasing power. But middle income households uh, and high income households, plenty of cash, and the low <laughs> saving rate reflects the use of that cash. Right? That's they're, right. they're, that's that's in their checking account. They use that cash, and that drives down the saving rate. So they're mm-hmm. they're using it to supplement their income, their purchasing power, just to maintain their their spending. So uh, still plenty of cash there uh, to cushion uh, you know any effects of the high inflation. 
We'll see how it bears out in retail spending this holiday season, yep. I'm sure. And then we want to continue the conversation with you, as always, Mark. Thanks for coming back. Mark Zandi is the chief economist at Moody's Analytics and just a, has been a great resource uh, for us over this entire cycle here uh, in understanding what the heck the Fed is doing. Let's assemble the panel for their take quickly. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us. Our signature panel, of course, on Sound On. Jeannie, this is, boy, if you're a Democratic White House, you may not be taking questions on the Fed. But but they've got to be looking over here saying, man, this is going to be tough next year. We're going to be gearing up, I'm assuming, for a re-election. Uh, we'll maybe in, in the throes of a re-election campaign. The job market is going to feel these rate hikes. That is the point. And everyone's going to be pointing fingers. That's right. And, and you know, you heard him say that unemployment, expect, you know, projected to rise to 4.6. You had some members saying, you know, pessimistically, it could top 5%. Very bad mm-hmm. news for the, the White House. And, you know, interesting, he says very little about the supply chain and the sort of unusual way in which the pandemic has led us to this inflation. And I think that's got to be a big concern for this White House because, you know, it's not unexpected, but the idea that he's not talking about the supply Supply shocks, I think, is a real uh, a misstep uh, for the White House, and they're going to have to address that. Will the will the refrain from Republicans, Rick Davis, be that you know what about the jobs, Mr. President? We're going to go back to that, knowing that unemployment will be rising by then. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see the transition because, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to speculate after experts like, you know, McKee and Zandi have opined on all this stuff. But (laughs) speaking politically, I mean, everybody was talking recession in September and August, right? I mean, like we're going into the election and Mm -hmm. Republicans were all saying we're going to be in a recession and, you know, gas prices were really high and everyone's feeling the pinch. And we transitioned from talking about, um, you know, really inflation to recession. And now we got like experts like Zandi saying in his guestometer that he's right yeah. at 50 50. Right. I mean, I think that's a huge <laughs> improvement for this administration. And maybe I'm being a little Pollyannish about it. I mean, obviously, today's discussion is pretty weighty mm-hmm. related to the future economic uh, prospects of our country. But if you dial it back just three months before the election, people were already digging that grave. Huh. Wow. But, you know, the, the, the timing is everything here, I suppose. But this is also, Jeannie, why you don't answer questions about the Fed, right? This is why the White House is literally not on the record. That's right. I mean, they're trying to stay away from this. You know, there's not much we can do. Let them handle it, you know. But I I do think that when you speak politically, the fact that they have doubled down on getting to 2% is a warning sign for this White House behind the scenes as it as it deals with the issue of unemployment and the pending recession. I think, you know, Mark Zandi sounded a little bit more optimistic than I've heard other people sound. And that's a good sign for this White House. But they've got to be very, very concerned about this 2% because to get there is going to be a lot of pain. And I thought today Powell was very clear he's going to put us through this pain if that's what it takes. And that is going to be a pain for the White House. There, This White House isn't done uh, dealing with energy prices either, Rick. We're in a good spot here for the White House to be able to say, hey, gas prices are lower than they were before the start of Putin's war in Ukraine. But every forecast is pointing to tighter supplies next year. And you've got an OPEC that really wants to have you know, has a has an itchy trigger finger when it comes to cutting production. Uh, Joe Biden isn't out of the woods with energy yet. How does this White House get ahead of it? Uh, they keep talking about um, uh, nuclear reactions. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> week's news, it's just fusion. Keep f- f- nuclear fusion, uh, <laughs> just keep focused on the future. Uh, I mean, th- this is going to be the bane of this administration existence. These wildly fluctuating 
you know, power prices, gas prices. Uh, it's going to be a very cold winter, and, and, and this could have its own impact on the administration. And, and, and I do think they, they risk, uh, wildly risk, uh, getting into the pinch because th- they talk about it so much, right? And frankly, they ought, to, they ought to ban a discussion on gas prices the same way they ban a discussion on the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes because uh, it just does them no good to be on the wrong side of history here. And, and they can't write history. He's tried. He's failed. This administration's done everything they could to control gas prices, and they can't. So they need to just quit talking about it and, and find other ways in the economy to make things work better. Maybe take advantage of these prices, Jeannie, and refill the SPR. That's a good, pretty good headline, isn't it? We made money on it. That's that's right. That would be one positive they can do. And I think, you know, as I talk to young people, let's just underscore highest rate in 15 years for young people graduating from college, going out on the job market. They've, you know, most people under a certain age have never lived through interest rates this high. It's not 70s high. It's not, you know, that. But it is high for people who haven't experienced this. And if it keeps going up like it seems like it may for the short term, that's going to be a political problem for the White House and for Democrats. Well, that's why he's canceling the student debt. Oh, wait a minute. That's (laughs) Not so fast. That's right. Jeannie and Rick, thank you as always, of course, and don't go anywhere. We've got the panel for the hour. We're going to be turning ahead uh, to a deal on Capitol Hill as the House takes up this stopgap spending bill. An omnibus framework has been reached. We'll tell you what that means and what it might mean for the year ahead. Also, the leadership battle in the House, not over yet. We'll tell you what's going on with Kevin McCarthy and his odds at holding the gavel. Next, this is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business, demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So they say they have a deal. Democrats have a deal on a framework to fund the government this fiscal year, putting Congress on track now to complete a roughly $1.7 trillion package before 
the end of December and avoid a shutdown. You say, but wait, the shutdown was Friday. And that's true. The government does run out of money on Friday. As we were reminded today by Congressman Jason Smith, Republican, top Republican on the Budget Committee, came out swinging in a briefing today. It's been 75 days. 75 days since the Democrats were supposed to pass funding for our government just to keep the lights on. And we are less than two weeks away from Christmas, and they're trying to jam through a huge spending bill. Of course, they need to pass a stopgap bill to allow time for all this to happen. And the man who would be Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, says he wasn't consulted. He doesn't want any part of it. You just had an election where we changed the course where the House is now going to be controlled by Republicans. You have Democrats who controlled all and didn't do their job are now going to try to jam us right before Christmas. A bill that funds the entire government, that we don't have any input in and others. It wouldn't have anything to do with being speaker. It has to do with the American public and what the future of America is going to be when it comes to fiscal resources. You may not be surprised to hear he wants to wait until the next Congress next month when, of course, Republicans will be in the majority. Still a little bit unclear on whether he'll be speaker, but we'll get to that with our panel. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are back with us, Bloomberg Politics contributors. What's uh, your take on this, uh, Rick? I guess we shouldn't be surprised too much by Kevin McCarthy, uh, but we're also not talking about a government shutdown here either. No. I mean, first of all, his views on this are completely irrelevant. (laughs) He has no ability to control the outcome. He can't stop this from happening. Hmm. And there is a deal. Uh, My uh, appropriations chairs in the Senate Uh, didn't disappoint me on their last budget that they will approve. They've agreed to a top-line number. They did it by sustaining the defense uh, uh, increases without commensurate uh, domestic spending increases. And and the House Appropriations Democratic Chair, Rosa DeLauro, says, I'm all in. So this deal's done. And there's a lot of paperwork on a trillion and a half plus dollar uh, budget. So they're going to work hard on that now. But the mystery is solved. They've got a number and they've and they've got an agreement. So with all due respect to Kevin McCarthy, future potential speaker, he needs to focus more on counting votes for a speaker's job than he does, you know, laying out a slick on, you know, something that's already going to happen. I think that was to be a line for you, Jeannie. Uh, So just so people understand, they're expected to approve a one week uh, CR here that would bring the current funding deadline to December 23rd, Jeannie, when, yes, jet fumes will be in the air. Uh, but are you concerned about anything going wrong between now and then? It's Congress. Of course I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, Good. just just as an example, over the weekend, Karen Bass was sworn in as mayor of uh, L.A., right? A big moment. She has mm. resigned from Congress. This leaves Nancy Pelosi with two votes to spare. Now, potentially she can pull over Republicans who are retiring, you know, but that's how tight this is. Hmm. And, you know, we do have McCarthy out there. We also have McConnell versus McCarthy. Those two are going at it. McCarthy's on Fox News, you know, uh, really lambasting McConnell. And McConnell's getting squeezed in the Senate as well by senators who want him to push harder and to, uh, you know, sort of push through some Republican, part of the Republican agenda. And so, you know, do does this get done? I think it does, but the, it is such a tight margin in not just the Senate, but the House, mm. that so many things can go wrong in this. And by the way, we know a top line. We have very few details on what's included there. And right. I have to say, 
say, I have some empathy for these Congress people. This is because they were supposed to do this September 30th. They pushed it to the 16th, now to the 23rd, potentially. <laughs> They're going to be pushing a 4,000-page-plus bill down these people's throat right at the height of the, the holiday season. You sound no, like Kevin McCarthy now. Nobody's going to read it, and they're going to have to push it through. But I ask you the same question I like to ask. Is this any way to run a household oh, or God. a government? Don't the get answer Rick going is no. <laughs> uh, so, I, well, let's talk about the speakership here because, my goodness, it just it keeps on coming, and he doesn't have the votes yet. Uh, he was asked about it today, and, well, he didn't like being asked. You've been meeting with members of the Freedom Caucus, but the votes just aren't there. Why has it been so hard for you? Have you spent any time with my conference? But I mean, you know what's amazing to me? Here we are with one of the biggest things going on on uh, spending. And I can always count on you for the most inappropriate question. But next question, yes. <laughs> okay, so we're not going to answer that. But it was a story of the New York Times today, Rick. Despite Trump's lobbying, McCarthy's speaker bid remains imperiled. Uh, Donald Trump's actually picking up the phone now, calling members of the Freedom uh, Caucus on his behalf. Will it help? You know, look, it's going to have to help because without, you know, at least one of them, uh, the four holdouts, Biggs, Gatz, Good, Norman, and Rosendale, mm-hmm. one of those has got to break to get to 218. And and I would have put money, you know, like a Vegas venture on, on Rosedale, <laughs> but uh, I would have thought he'd be the one that could flip. But he hadn't flipped yet. And huh. and now McCarthy's like, do you really want, you know, you group, you know, he's laying it on him. Are you guys going to be the ones that stand in the right. way of this majority and taking power? And, and like, as if he's the only one who can make that happen. Um, again, he's benefiting from the fact that there is not a announced candidate other than Biggs who won't get any more than those five votes. Uh, but uh, he's he's he every day that he doesn't lock that 218 up. He's at risk of someone putting their hat in a ring and really screwing yeah. this thing up. Well, is this as simple as the rules here? They want to have the ability to have a new speaker or fire the speaker whenever they want. Or, I mean, is there anything he can actually do, Rick, for these Republicans who are, who are holdouts? Uh, only momentarily, right? There's the, no favors. The, the, the reality is he could agree to everything they want, and they're going to change their mind you know, next week and the wow. week after that until this vote is taken and it's over. Um, so uh, I do think at least he's standing up to some of the most egregious requests. Uh, and, 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 and basically said, who wants to be speaker if we have these rules? Uh, yeah, and right. he'd be right. Uh, so I do think that's the balancing act he's going to have. And maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a pony that you got to dig really deep to find here. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we'll see if he can, he can go home for Christmas and find a gift under his tree with one of these guys calling him up saying, I'm in. Wowee. Donald Trump calls him Mike Kevin. Do you see that, Jeannie? Mike Kevin. I need you to vote for my cabin, but he's not getting yeses. If Donald Trump can't twist the arm, who can? You know, I don't know. The, the list that Rick just gave, Biggs, Gates, good. It sounds like a bad yeah. law firm. I don't know if anybody wants to be a part of that group. But no, you know, listen, Donald. Be a good law firm. Look at the look at the latest polls. Uh, you know, Donald Trump say you know star is falling fast. I don't know if Mike Kevin is going to help him. But the reality is, is these five want nothing except Kevin McCarthy's head. That's all they want. So there's nothing to trade except if he decides not to run for speaker. And so that's the problem he has. Maybe one of them comes through. I think he is going to cave on everything. And you know, then. Even best case scenario is for him the worst case scenario. He becomes speaker, and he is going oh. to be the weakest speaker we've well, seen in modern history. And he will probably job. be out very, very quickly. It's a job he should not want, but is desperate to get. Speaker Andy Biggs, Rick Davis. 
Yeah, don't hold your breath. <laughs> not going to happen, right? Not, not going to happen. Steve Scalise, Jeannie, are you still going there? I, I, I think Steve Scalise is, he is like, you know, that's where you want to be. You want to be sort of the shiny person standing behind, waiting <laughs> to just pick everything up. Just, you know, look at what happened over in England. That That's, you know, for, for prime minister. I think yeah. that's what we're heading to. Well, I mean, I don't know how much of an influence Donald Trump will have on this, but would he back someone else, do you think, Rick? Oh, I think ultimately uh, Donald Trump, uh, as as Jeannie pointed out, he's he's losing a lot of his cachet, right. and he's going to be one of these guys that's you know he'll throw he'll throw sadly uh, 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 McCarthy under the bus so fast it'll make your head spin. Uh, <laughs> but because no he wants to align to with a winner, Trump. so if somebody were to emerge, Donald Trump's all in. Yeah, unless they went out of the house, you know, you can't pick anybody to be speaker, and if if they went to Cheney, I think that's the one he'd oppose. How about that? Boy, what a conversation here. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano, uh, stand by. They'll be back uh, with some final thoughts here. It is unclear, by the way, according to that story in the New York Times, whether Kevin McCarthy enlisted Donald Trump to help or if Donald Trump was simply working on his own. We all think back to the photograph uh, of the first visit to Mar-a-Lago following January 6th and the, the just the lengths to which Kevin McCarthy went to be in his good graces. And I guess it's it's coming back now. But my goodness, reminding as well when Nancy Pelosi found herself about a dozen votes short in 2018 of what she would need to secure the gavel. She methodically cut deals to capture exactly enough support to prevail. And that could still, I suppose, happen wherever it goes from here. There will be granular coverage here on this program because that's what we do as we walk out together on the fastest hour in politics. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Been a tough run for crypto this week in Congress. A lot of criticism, some of it 
less than informed, which means the whole thing just runs wild. Not just the fraud, of course, the alleged fraud and now bankruptcy of FTX, the arrest of Sam Bankman-Fried, but just, you know, the whole thing. It was uh, the Senate side today, the Senate's turn after the big House hearing uh, yesterday with John Ray III, the current chief executive officer, who was tasked with figuring out what the heck went wrong. Ended up being the star witness yesterday. There were others today, the chair of the panel, Senator Sherrod Brown. Making money in crypto seems so easy, too easy. Every crypto token could double or triple in value in a matter of hours or days. It didn't matter if it was created with vague details or as a joke, money still poured in. No one's laughing now. No one's laughing now. But we got into this a little bit yesterday. Pat Toomey put his finger on it today, the ranking member, Republican uh, Senator Pat Toomey, asking colleagues to separate FTX from the legitimate innovations in the digital asset markets. And this is the big question we're trying to ask here. Is this an FTX story? This is an SBF story? This is a crypto story. Here's Pat Toomey. Code committed no crime. FTX and cryptocurrencies are not the same thing. FTX was opaque, centralized, and dishonest. Cryptocurrencies usually are open source, decentralized, and transparent. This is where we bring in Ari Redborn, the head of legal and government affairs at TRM Labs, former senior advisor to the deputy secretary, undersecretary for terror and financial intelligence at the U.S. Treasury. He knows what he's talking about. Ari, welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, hey, what's your so take on today. this question here? Is this a company story? Or is this a crypto story? You know, I, I very much agree with sort of much of what uh, Senator Toomey said. And, um, you know, it, it's really not a cryptocurrency story. Um, you know, this story is as old as time, right? It's about corporate malfeasance. Uh, it's about really more about a traditional centralized, you know, financial uh, institution that ha had corporate uh, malfeasance. That had a lack of good governance. That had didn't have a uh, a board in place uh, to deal with mismanagement. Uh, this is this is more akin to a Lehman or an Enron than really sort of the cryptocurrency space. I think, as Senator Toomey said, you know, look, the the promise of cryptocurrency and the technology itself is actually to provide more visibility, hmm. right? You know, open blockchains where crypto lives and moves actually allows for tracing and tracking, allows for regulators to actually have visibility on financial flows. So really, it, it is very much sort of the opposite. But obviously, because FTX was engaged in the business of custodying and trading crypto assets, uh, you know, this this conversation has been very much uh, about cryptocurrency. Yeah. Of all people to show up today, Kevin O'Leary, the Shark Tank guy, uh, Mr. Wonderful, was he spokes a paid spokesperson for FTX. He used to talk about his access to Sam Bankman-Fried. He did it again today as well. But he, so, you know, you have to take this for what it's worth. And he's definitely a pro-crypto guy. He says, this is part of the process, Ari. These are the growing pains. Listen to how he put it. I'm only one of many investors had experienced this loss. However, this changes nothing in terms of the potential of crypto. In fact, the recent collapse of crypto companies has a silver lining. This nascent industry is culling its herd. Hmm. Going or gone are the inexperienced or incompetent managers, weak business models, and rogue, unregulated operators. A little bit of a Wild West view on things, Ari. I don't know if that culling the herd is safe for investors, but is, is he essentially saying the same thing? Look, I, I think sort of saying it a little bit differently here. We're, we're very much in early days of the space, and it's early days when it comes to regulating this space as well. And sort of, uh, look, FTX, as I mentioned earlier, 
uh, really is more akin to a traditional financial institution. None of the fraud here occurred on blockchains. Um, th- this is this is not sort of a cryptocurrency or a decentralized uh, protocol, a, a truly decentralized uh, entity. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean that there's not a need for regulatory clarity in the space. And mm-hmm. I, I think I'm hopeful, and I, I think business and financial institutions and investors and consumers are hopeful that there'll be more regulatory clarity definitions in the space, so people feel more comfortable engaging. But in terms of FTX, that should not be the driver of this, because again, we have laws on the books today to handle an FTX situation, right? Criminal and civil fraud statutes. We have money transmitter licenses in every state, uh, and and we have consumer and investor protection laws. Those protect against an FTX. And one thing that's really important Mm -hmm. to remember in the FTX context specifically is this FTX Global was not a U.S.-based business that was necessarily uh, susceptible to sort of U.S. law and regulation. Right. This was a Bahamian entity. I think it's really important to sort of point that mm-hmm. out, that we have laws in place in the U.S. to stop this type of thing. But this couldn't have happened at a traditional bank in New York City is the point here, right? You know, it, it, you know, you know, it, it has. <laughs> right? it, has. It, it certainly has. And sort of, you know, in the, in, the two, in the 2008 sort of financial crisis, we yeah. were seeing all kinds of different things. We saw accounting fraud at major you know, U.S. institutions like Enron and WorldCom and other places in the early 2000s. And, and so Sam Bankman-Fried at this point could have pushed it that far already to, to actually get to, to lose this many billions of dollars before somebody noticed. It, it, it's truly extraordinary, certainly when you're looking at all the investment that was in a company like this and the sort of lack of due diligence. But, yeah. but the reality is that, like, you know, we have had corporate malfeasance. Uh, and I think what we're seeing right now is the process. We're seeing a bankruptcy proceeding. Wow. We're seeing uh, criminal and civil court proceedings, and we're seeing what sort of usually happens in that context. Um, there's no question that we need sort of more regulatory clarity in the crypto space, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. FTX is nece- or necessarily should be the driver of that because we have laws in place today to deal with that. Ari Redboard of TRM Labs. Ari, thank you for the expertise. Let's uh, assemble the panel real quick for, for this one uh, here. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. Rick, it seems to me uh, the secret sauce, and, and Cynthia Lummis talked about this, the senator uh, who's so closely tied to crypto, and she's up with a bill with Kirsten Gillibrand to, to regulate crypto, essentially. It's, it's determining what is a security and what is a commodity and then applying the existing rules. Is it, is it not that simple? Well, uh, I, I think what we learned from today's hearing, not only is it probably a little more complicated than that. I mean, that was sort of what Ben McKenzie was trying to say. You know, is it a duck or is it a swan? And <laughs> that's right. And and so uh, I think everybody else on the committee, certainly that you know, Kevin O'Leary, uh, were really hesitant to be that simplistic in in their discussion of it. And and I do think the the point you were just making you know, about how they separated the blockchain out and tried not to be critical of the blockchain as a vehicle that all this yes, right. kind of financial activity rides on it was, I thought, a very interesting differentiator for the committee. Everyone seemed to agree that that they're not trying to find a way to regulate blockchain. They're trying to find a right, regulate things that are on it. And, uh, and so... I, I don't think there's unanimity on that committee. I mean, like every single senator that I watched ask questions had a kind of a different take on it's it. True. Yeah. Mark Warner was different than yeah. than than Loomis. Loomis is a little bit different than Toomey, obviously. And and so I think that committee's got to get their head together and figure <laughs> out what their point of view is going to be on this. Can, can, just just in our remaining uh, moment here, Jeannie, can something happen legislatively in this new Congress? 
I, I think it's going to be very hard. I do think there is some will, but to Rick's point, there's not agreement. And by the way, who regulates? The FEC, the CFTC? We right. can't even get that straight, let alone start writing legislation. It's going to be a real uphill battle. It sure is. It's complex stuff, and we're not done talking about it here. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzana with some final thoughts ahead. As Rihanna is invoked on the House floor, we'll sing together. I'm Joe Matthew. In Washington, this is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So at least the government will not be shutting down tomorrow. At least that's what we're going to tell ourselves. No, they've got a continuing resolution to solve that. The question is, what happens when we get to the 23rd of December? We think we've got a plan, right? We're feeling pretty good about it. As we reassemble the panel for some final thoughts here, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, uh, knowing, Jeannie, that you actually have some concerns, it wouldn't be for a potential shutdown, I'm assuming, right? Because unless that's being used as a political tool and we go rolling into the holidays here, they'll have a couple of days to save this if, if they don't meet the deadline, no? At this point, I am still optimistic. You know, here's why. It's in everybody's interest, including Kevin McCarthy, whatever he says publicly, to get this done. The last thing he needs, if he's going to be speaker, is this hanging over his head. But, of course, publicly, he needs to say this because he doesn't have the votes to be speaker. So my guess is it does get done. But I think it is, uh, you know, not going to be probably as smooth as we may expect. You know, it could take, you know, four or five days to just get through the Senate because they're going to need unanimous consent or they're going to need six votes at some point along this process they'll get them but it's going to be an uphill battle to a certain extent what gets attached to this uh this omnibus rick is is this open season or are they going to try to keep this uh, essentially uh, within the the realm of what we're already aware of yeah it's hard to tell i mean there are still some things like um uh, you know, the um, the voting uh, reform bill that's mm-hmm. been sort of like looking for some way to get past electoral uh, count, electoral Act. count package. Yeah. And uh, and so, I, I, sure, some of those things could ride on this, uh, but it's pretty clean, um, you know, based on just the appropriations uh, bills that are there. So uh, they haven't treated up yet. And I'm sure the rule they're going to put on it is going to be pretty restrictive. Yeah, it's interesting to see what was not attached at the last minute here. It appears that the Safe Banking Act, the Marijuana Transactions Bill to protect marijuana businesses, uh, will not be in there, according to Senator John Thune. Jeannie is well doubtful that Joe Manchin's uh, Energy Permitting Regulations Bill will be attached as well. Yeah, that's also likely to be out. Also, the extended child tax credit, which Democrats have been pushing for, likely to be yeah. out. So they're dropping a lot. But just imagine they get billions if they get billions of aid into Ukraine and they rewrite the Electoral Count Act. Those mm-hmm. are two big wins for both, I think, Congress and the nation as a whole and certainly the Biden And are within the realm of, of possibility, right? Uh, as opposed to, I don't know what they do with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, but Congressman Sean Kasten is back at it. You know the FERC guy we did FERC's giving last year? He's back on the floor of the House invoking uh, Rihanna this time. It is my duty to once again remind the legislative branch of our desperate need to FERC, 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 FERC. He's calling for uh, a fully funded FERC to get a full staff and confirm a new commissioner. Does he get what he's asking for, Rick? Well, I hope I so, so, just so this tune will go away for posterity. <laughs> does it help when you're invoking Rihanna on the floor, Jeannie? I'm not sure it does. How can it hurt Joe Matthew? I don't know. I don't... 
Rihanna with Drake, come on. And, you know, they need to get Richard Glick. They need to get Richard Glick, you know, pushed through there. And I think if they do, I looked this up, her number one song, according to Rolling Stone, We Found Love. You may just get to hear Kasten do that on the floor, we hope. Wow. All right. God, this is great. We thought we'd help him out a little bit. A little help from Rihanna this time. This is what we do, you know. It is my duty to once again remind the legislative branch of our desperate need to ferk, 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 ferk. Climate change is urgent. Capital markets are mobilizing in response to the Inflation Reduction Act. He nailed this. This is no time to have us lurking. To be blunt, Mr. Chair, I do not like it. And you know I've dealt with it the nicest. But this delay is no righteous. And now we're in a crisis. Not bad. I feel like... Peter's deserves some credit for that. To the Democrat from Illinois, Sean Caston. Ferk, 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 Ferk. I'll meet you back here tomorrow with apologies to Rihanna and the panel, Rick and Jeannie. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, and this is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.